Okay, we are in week three of this series, which I realize has been a couple weeks now, so it seems like forever, but we are in the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark series, which is kind of a Halloween-type series where we're talking about scary stories that you can tell in the dark that come from the Bible. Um, totally a phrase I made up myself. And so, and so anyway, uh, we've talked so far about the only ghost, not counting the Holy Ghost, the only ghost that's ever been mentioned in the Bible, and that was when Saul went to a medium which is somebody who calls people from the dead. They called her the Witch of Endor, not the same one that the Ewoks lived on. But um, the, the, he went to her, and the reason he went to her is because nobody was telling him what he wanted to hear. Basically, Saul had turned away from God, and things weren't going right for him, shockingly. And yet he's like, okay, I really want to go back to the old way, the way things used to be. Even though in his mind he was misremembering that. He was remembering it because he was in charge more and he had more power and things weren't going against him. But Samuel, the person who he called up as a ghost, was still like, dude, you got to follow God. Like, and, and so Saul was shook uh, and scared and uh, just not very happy. And, and we talked about the fact that we like to have... We like to be told we're right, and we like to be told, hey, that's a good idea, but we need people in our lives that are willing to say, hey, you're being dumb, in a kind way, in a gentle way, in a friendly way, but be able to say, hey, that's not a good idea. Seth, you should not jump off of this building with a, a uh, towel on your back because you're not going to fly. Sorry, buddy. Like, we have, we have, that's a fair point, but we have to have people in our lives that will at least say that. This does not mean you have to listen to every single person that talks to you, but you need to have people who you trust, who feel the same way as you do, who think, uh, believe the same types of things that you do, and, and have the same type of faith that you do, so that you have that influence, so you have those people. Um, the last time we were here, we talked about the possession of uh, the guy who was just kind of left alone because people gave up on him because they tried and tried and tried. And so he was dealing with all of this possession. He was running around naked, and he was scary, and it was crazy, and he had chains, and he was breaking them. And then... The people were watching, and they watched as if we'd watch a movie where it's like going in this certain way, but Jesus is not tied to things like that. So Jesus knew, hey, this isn't even a battle, guys. Like This isn't like uh, Jake Paul versus Mike Tyson, which wouldn't be a battle either. This is like, uh, this is like, uh, or Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather, who are you going to talk about? This is, this is just God. Like God, when God is in something, it's over. Like there's no like the exorcist or no like the conjuring where it's like the whole movie is about this. Once Jesus said, hey, we're done, we're done. And so the demon knew that, but people were watching and they're like, oh man, he's winning. The demon's winning. Like he's got this. Oh man. And then Jesus won. And so they turned on him, even though he did the right thing, even though he did this amazing miracle, even though he helped somebody. And yet the, because their expectations were shattered, because people get tied to what they want or what they think or what has always been. And Jesus, though, was like, hey, we do what's right. We stand up for what's right. We stand up for God. We follow God. And the guy that he saved was definitely in his corner. And so this week, we are talking uh, about another story, and this is called The Haunting, and we are going to talk about it on the surface. This one seems different than those, but when you think about it, it's going to be very similar. So we are in Daniel chapter 5. Uh, many years later, uh, King Belshazzar gave a great feast for 1,000 of his nobles, and he drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. He wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, and his concubines. So they brought these gold cups from the temple of God, or temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, uh, and the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. While they drank from them, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. This isn't the scary part yet, although this is the dumb part. So basically, um, what king, the king here was doing 
was the people before him had basically mocked God by taking the stuff from the temple. So imagine, like, we don't have temples, really, and, like, there's nothing... I mean, we care about the crosses and we care about different things, but it's not the same as at this time where it had a very uh, significant God application where it's like only God has touched this or only a priest can touch this. But you can think about something like if somebody were to take our communion cup or an altar and use it for something to mock God or use it for something awful, like people would be like, well, that's awful. Like, that's dumb. Like, what are you doing? How are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And so this king had watched the last king do that and then fall away because people turned on him or because like he didn't have God, because all of these bad things happened because he got so egotistical, because he got so uh, full of himself, because he thought he was above everything, because he thought the rules didn't apply to him, because he thought nothing applied to him but what he wanted. And so this king saw that. And one of the greatest things you can do in life is, yes, learn from your own mistakes or your own bad choices, but to be able to learn from other people's mistakes, from other people's bad choices, from other people's lives, from other people's examples, is even more valuable because then you don't have to make those mistakes themselves. Then uh, you will be like a flavor-blasted goldfish and not just a pretzel goldfish or something. But you will be able to, to do this yourself. And so it's important to watch that. And so what this king did was he saw this guy turn his back on God and laugh at God and mock him and mock God's people and do all this stuff, sacrilegious and everything, and then fall away. And he's like, okay, so I'm going to learn from this, and I'm going to have a bigger party. And so he didn't learn the right thing from it. He did the wrong thing. And so that's where we're starting. He's there with all these people. Uh, they're basically mocking everybody, and they're in Israel, and they're just kind of doing what they want. And so the next part, suddenly they saw the fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. The king himself saw this hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale with fright. His knees knocked together in fear, and his legs gave way beneath him. Um, if there's one thing you know, you should know about kings and about people of power like that, uh, they do have fear. They do have all of these emotions. They don't like to show them because they like to appear to be strong. They like to appear to be in charge. They like to appear to be who people need. And so for him to show this fright shows that this is legit. And so just hearing that sentence is not the same as a demon or not the same as a ghost. But imagine this, that while I'm talking, if all of a sudden you saw like an invisible, like a intangible type hand start writing something up there and it's not even in English it's in Latin or Greek or something or Hebrew and like you're seeing this you guys at first are gonna be like how'd Jeff do that like does Rob have a hologram ray like what, what's this does Tara have an invisibility suit like what's happening here but then as it goes you're gonna be like wait a second and like you're gonna start to freak out a little bit because that's freaky that's like the haunting that's like scary it's like something that you don't expect and not only is it happening, it's not just like a hand there, but it's writing something that you don't know, something that you don't recognize, something that's about you. And uh, so he's freaking out. He's also freaking out because what he was doing. So sometimes you can draw from the context. So if you are in the process, uh, how many people in here drive, just out of curiosity? Okay, so most of you guys probably haven't had to deal with speeding limits yet, or speed tickets yet. Hopefully you never do. But there have been times in my life, briefly, uh, where I have gone faster than the speed limit is posted. And in those times, there have also been times, fewer still, where I've seen, uh, as I passed, uh, a car in the middle of, say, like the median. And I'm like, oh man, that's a cop. And so my heart drops. And so I'm driving and I immediately slow down because we all immediately slow down. As soon as somebody sees a cop, they immediately slow down. Uh, and so I feel that, but as soon as I go past you, I'm checking my rearview mirror constantly, and there have been one or two times in my life where I've seen those lights flip on. 
And there's nothing worse than that feeling where you're going. Because the first question they ask, and hopefully, again, you never find that, this out, is, uh, you know why I pulled you over? And everybody always knows why they pulled you over. It's always speeding almost, but whatever. And so to know that you have no recourse there, to know that you're about to get caught for something you know you were doing that was wrong is just a horrible feeling. And yeah, it's because it costs a lot of money too, but it's a horrible feeling in insurance. Don't get me started on that. But it's a horrible feeling. And so the king is sitting there doing something that he knows is wrong. He's mocking God. And all of a sudden... While he's doing this, a hand starts writing on the wall. That's where you get the phrase, uh, what is it? The phrase, uh, the writing on the wall, if you've ever heard that phrase. The writing is on the wall. And so um, he sees that. And so he knows, even though it's not necessarily connected, he knows that those cop lights just came on. Like he was doing the wrong thing, and those lights just came on, and that hand just appeared. And so he's scared because it's a ghostly hand. He's scared because of what it's saying. He's scared because of what he'd done. And so his conscience is eating him up. But this is a horrifying moment. Um, I don't have anything like this in my life. This is not this. This is a whiteboard. I don't have anything like the handwriting in my life, but I think I've, I talked the last time about sleep paralysis. And so I'm going to say a little bit about that. Uh, this is something that I've had several times in my life, and it really sucks. So if you've never had it, I'll kind of explain it really quick. If you have, I'm really sorry because it sucks. So basically, um, your brain kind of wakes up before your body, I believe. is might be reversed. I think it's your brain wakes up before your body. Yeah. And so, like, yeah. And so you're aware that you're awake, and you're aware of what's happening. But because it's messing up your REM cycle and it's messing up, it's not how it's naturally supposed to be. Uh, and it's often an anxiety thing, but still, like you're laying there. And so you can imagine you're laying in bed at home and you wake up and you can see everything as it is, but you can't move no matter what you do. And you can't speak no matter what you do. And it's terrifying. It sucks. It, it, it's hard. And so like when I've had it, I'm constantly like just immediately trying to wake myself up and try to make myself move because you think if I can just scream or if I can just move my hand, then I'll wake up. Uh, a lot of people tend to report that they see like a black shape or something else happen. And it doesn't mean that it's demons. It doesn't mean anything like that. It's just like your mind is, again, still in a dreaming state while you're doing this. I mean, you're, you're still kind of dreaming but also awake. And so it's just very weird. And so it's basically like being paralyzed and being unable to move. And so that adds the anxiety. And so you're feeling like something's coming after me, someone's coming after me, or et cetera. And so one time at my last apartment... Um, I had that, and it was just in the morning, and I remember very clearly, and I saw, like, just words start to appear on the wall, and it was so vivid that when I woke up, I checked the wall to see, and nothing was there, um, but I was pretty freaked out by that because, again, I was paralyzed, and it just felt awful, uh, so imagine that in your life. Imagine that you're watching as this is happening, and now flip that to, again, be like you're doing the wrong thing at the time. Uh, I'm not encouraging you to watch horror movies, don't, blah, blah, blah. But I've watched a lot, and there's usually, like, this is weird, but there's kind of a moral component to them. That does not mean they're Christian. It does not mean they're good morals. But what I'm saying is there's usually a thing where uh, you have a killer at a camp or at a school or in a town or in dreams or something, and if somebody does something uh, wrong, like if they uh, have sex or if they do drugs or if they get drunk or something like that, one of the teens, one of the kids, they're going to die soon. And so it's like this moral component kind of weirdly on top of murder and all this stuff. So again, don't live your life by these at all. But I'm just saying um, all of these things kind of tie together. And so he's feeling all of this as he's seeing it. He's feeling all of this happen. He's feeling the horror of this. And he knows 
that the moral stuff is tied to it, and he knows that he's done the wrong thing, and he knows that he's scary. So just think about all of that, and we're going to go to the next part. Uh, the king shouted for his, the enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers to be brought before him. He said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever can read this writing and tell me what it means will be dressed in purple robes of royal honor and will have a gold chain placed around his neck. He will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. But when all the king's wise men had come in, none of them could read the writing or tell him what it meant. So the king grew even more alarmed and his face turned pale. His nobles too were shaken. Uh, so real quick, he offered the third most and not the second most because technically he wasn't the official king. He was just kind of doing king-like things, but there was still a real king above him. And so third was the best that he could offer. But who does he call in? Like if you are dealing with something like hard and tough or you've done something wrong and you need to talk to somebody close to you. Uh, again, I would encourage you to talk to your parents, but most of the time you're going to call a friend right away, somebody you care about, somebody you're close to. And you're going to call the person that you know best or that knows you best. Uh, and again, this is why I said at the, in one of the last messages that it's so important to have people in your life that are honest with you, that will tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. And so what does the king do here? Again, he doesn't learn the right lesson. He calls people that will tell him what he wants to hear uh, because he's calling people that are responsible. Uh, their lives are based upon what he says and does. So they're not going to say anything to take him off. And so he just calls them in. They can't do anything because, of course, they couldn't do anything. Well, as this is happening, his mom's actually there, or the queen mother is actually there. And... Um, so she's like, hey, I heard of this guy, Daniel, uh, from Daniel chapter 4. And we're in Daniel chapter 5 is how she said it. And if it's ever written down in the Bible or something. And, and so she's like, he uh, interpreted dreams for the last king. Like, he interpreted, like, all of this stuff for, uh, I think, Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, he interpreted them and, and kind of helped him out. And, like, he was really good at it. He was smart at it. He was obviously in tune. And so Daniel comes in. Now... Daniel is the opposite of these other people because Daniel follows God. And if you know Daniel in the lion's den, like Daniel followed God to the detriment of what other people thought. Like he didn't care. He, he didn't go out of his way to mock the king. He didn't go out of his way to judge people. He just, like when they say praying is illegal, he still prayed. He didn't go do it in front of the king. He didn't hide it either. He just did his thing. And so he is a very honorable person. And so this is the right person to call in. But he's going into this situation where the king is already scared and he's already terrified and he's already upset and he's already mad and all these things. So Daniel answered the king, uh, keep your gifts or give them to someone else because Daniel didn't want the, all the offerings. Uh, but I will tell you what the writing means, your majesty. The most high God uh, gave sovereignty, majesty, glory, and honor to your predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar. I was right. Uh, he made him uh, so great that people of all races and nations and languages trembled before him out of fear. Uh, he killed those he wanted to kill and spared those he wanted to spare. He honored those he wanted to honor and disgraced those he wanted to disgrace. But when his heart and mind were puffed up with arrogance, he was brought down from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. Uh, he was driven from human society. He was given the mind of a wild animal, and he lived among the wild donkeys. He ate grass like a cow, and he was drenched with the dew of heaven until he learned that the Most High God rules over the kingdoms of the world and appoints anyone he desires to rule over them. So Daniel immediately tells him this story about Nebuchadnezzar, who you may know from the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like the fiery furnace uh, deal where he threw them in for going against him. But at the end of that little chapter, like that story, that miracle, he learns a lesson. He's like, wow, God's legit. And so 
Daniel's like, he lived like that for a while. Like, he tried. Uh, he wasn't the best example. He did the wrong thing sometimes, but he was really trying. And then he got really cocky again. He got really full of himself, because kings tend to do that. Um, and so Daniel's telling him this story. Now, this is like going into your teacher's room or the principals or somebody, your boss, somebody that's above you, and you're telling them a story about the person before them that nobody liked or that really screwed up. And it's kind of a dangerous thing, but Daniel's doing what he does. And so he says, you are his successor, O Belshazzar, and you knew all this, yet you have not humbled yourself, for you have pr proudly defied the Lord of heaven and have had these cups from his temple brought before you. You and your nobles and your wives and concubines have been drinking wine from them while praising gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, gods that neither see nor hear nor know anything at all. But you have not honored the God who gives you the breath of life and controls your destiny. So God has sent his hand to write this message. So again, this is kind of like if you're, you're, let's say you're working, or you have a teacher who's just known for failing people. And it's not just for school stuff, it's for like... Anytime somebody takes him off, he finds reasons to fail him or give him so much work. And this is like a scary teacher that nobody likes and everybody's scared of. And uh, like you go in and he's like, hey, I really need to know something about this. I don't know what he'd want to ask a teen, but let's pretend that he does. Uh, or let's say somebody really scary that maybe has a lot of puppies on their hand like Rob, who just like you're going in to talk to him. And like he really, this teacher or Rob, whoever, maybe combine them, really uh, has your fate in their hands. Like they control whether you're going to go past high school, they control whether you're going to go to college, they control like everything because they can really uh, screw over your grade or whatever else and really affect your life negatively. And so you go in there. Now most people are going to go in there and just really kiss up to them. And they're going to be like, oh man, you look really good today. And that's, uh, that's a, a, a really nice pair of glasses. Are those new? That's that orange. That really brings out your eyes. Or um, if you're talking to your teacher, whatever, like you're saying all of this and you're really puffing them up. Uh, Daniel comes in and he's like, hey, you know what, thank you for bringing me in, uh, you are the king, but the guy before you did this same stuff, and he was dumb. And Daniel's not saying you're dumb, he's saying this guy before you who did the exact same thing of you is dumb. Now, you may not be able to put logic together, but he's basically saying the king is dumb to his face, but in a different way. And yet he's not saying it in a uh, hateful way, in an angry way, he's just saying, listen, you got to understand right away, so Daniel's being the type of friend we should be and the type of friend we want. And so... Um, he tells him, you're the successor and you should know better. And everything you're doing is wrong. And so that's where he starts, before he even interprets. So he'd better be pretty confident in what he's about to do. Uh, and so this is the next passage. This is the message that was written. Uh, Mini, Mini, Tekel, and Parson. So those are not English words. Uh, this is what these words mean. Uh, Mini means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. Tekel means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and have not measured up. Parson means divided. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then, okay, so let me stop there for a second. So basically, Daniel comes in and he's like, I can read this. It's basically saying that you're about to die. And like you're losing your kingdom and everything you care about is gone because you screwed up. Again, this is that teacher or that Rob that has your fate in their hands. And not only are you indirectly insulting them by being honest, uh, but you're also saying, hey, sorry, nothing you do matters because you're about to fall away, like you're done. And that is incredibly brave. Some people would say it's incredibly stupid depending on the situation, but he's not doing it as a show-off. He's not doing it to earn anything. He's not doing it just to be who he is. And this is an important thing to remember. When you're in these situations, you're going to have times where people are like, hey, I'll reward you for doing this. And that's fine. 
It's fine to get the reward. There are people that say, um, you know, hey, I need you to do this, or I trust you to do this. And so you're going to do things uh, for whatever reason, but if your reason is just to get rewarded, that's not going to work out. Because rewards don't last, and sometimes that looks bad, and sometimes it doesn't go the way you want, and we'll talk about that in a second. But if you do it just to impress people, it's also not going to work out. Uh, one of the things people notice in job interviews, and you guys will have those at some point, or college interviews, um, they'll, uh, these are often on sitcoms, so they're not always asked in this way, but they'll be like, what are your weaknesses? And so one of the big joke answers that people think is serious, and they're like, my only weakness is that I work too hard, or something like that. Every boss knows that that's a stupid answer. Like, every boss uh, knows that that's something everybody just says, and so they're like, yeah, okay. And so, but sometimes we do things like that and we say things like that, not because we think it's the right answer, but because we're afraid that our honesty would not be good enough. And so we try to kiss their butt and we try to make up this thing to be like, oh, I'm, look, this is, I'm weakness. Oh man, I just care about my company too much or whatever. Uh, and so when you have to do something and it's something that matters, your reason shouldn't be reward, or it shouldn't be to get this, or it shouldn't be to get that. I'm not saying that you should turn down rewards or whatever else, but I'm saying do things that you know are right, and be who you should be in those situations, because that's who you're going to have to be alone at home. Like, that's when you're looking back on those moments, that's who you're going to think about. So Daniel could have come in here. I'm like, yeah, I know what this means, but even though this is what it means, it could mean this. And like, he could really just uh, make up all this stuff that's still kind of true, but it's making the king think it's okay, but Daniel's going to have to live with himself, and Daniel's going to have to know himself, and so Daniel doesn't answer to the king. He knows the king might kill him. In fact, uh, in a little bit, like in the next chapter, basically, Daniel almost dies for the same thing. Um, and yet, when we do things that are right, regardless of the reward, regardless of what happens, we're doing things that are right. And again, it's fine. If somebody, uh, if you're going over to the neighbor's house and you're going to just mow their yard or uh, what do you do with snow? Shovel their snow or build a doghouse, whatever it is you're going to do for your neighbor. Um, buy the youth pastor something, pay off his college loans, whatever you want to do. Uh, and you're going to do that. That's awesome. And if they thank you, that's fine. That's cool. If they give you like 50 bucks and they won't let you not take it, that doesn't mean that you didn't do it for the right reasons. What I'm saying is you shouldn't go over there first and be like, hey, I'm halfway through mowing your yard, and I'll finish if you give me 50 bucks or something like that. Or like, just do it to look good, or just do it to impress people, or just do it for whatever reason. And so Daniel, after he does all this, and he really goes to this scary guy who's also really scared right now, and usually when you're scared, you kind of act out, and he tells him all this true stuff and says, you're going to die, basically tonight. And the king, uh, at Balshazar's command, was dressed in purple robes. Uh, Daniel was dressed in purple robes. A gold chain was hung around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the, in the kingdom. So he was given those rewards, even though he didn't seek them out. Um, now, here's where that part about not seeking them out matters. That very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed. And so Darius the Mede took over. Uh, and that's, we get into the lion's den. But, so Daniel's promotion lasted for about two hours. So it's basically like if you, let's go to Rob, let's say you do something really nice for Rob, and Rob rewards you, and you've kind of felt iffy about it because you just did it for the reward or whatever, and he gives you a million dollars. And then in two hours, the IRS comes and like, Rob stole this million dollars, like, you can't do this. And so they take the million dollars back, you got it for two hours, what'd you do? But if you do something that you know is right, you always carry that. Now again, I know that money matters, and I know that uh, scholarships or recommendation letters or grades, what all those things matter, I get that. 
So I'm not saying turn them down, but I'm saying what Daniel did here was just be who he always is. And then when he was given the reward, he took it, but he didn't go in there doing it for that. He didn't try to uh, promote anything that he didn't believe. He didn't try to uh, pump up the king any more than he didn't believe. He just was honest. Now, obviously, you can be honest in a mean way and in a cruel way, and you don't do that. But you can be honest in a gentle way, in a true way, in a uh, friendly way, in a kind way. That's what we do. That's how we should do. And so the king was killed. And this, this was in 539 B.C. for those people that care. For those people that care even more, uh, God said to Isaiah 200 years before that, which is 739 B.C., because time went different then, um, this is exactly what's going to happen. And it's going to be pretty bloodless. And it was pretty bloodless. Like, basically, they killed the king and nothing really happened. They kind of just took over. Uh, and then I'm sure you all know your Persian history, so I don't have to go much into that. But the point is, all of this started with this scary moment. This moment where the writing was on the wall, where something said. Now, just because the king said it, this could have happened to any one of us. And, and maybe it's not something that's horrible, but maybe something that you're holding on to gets written on a wall. Think about that. Think about something that you don't like to face or don't like to think about or don't want to do but did or whatever. And that gets written on a wall in front of everybody. But if you live your life in such a way that whatever's on that wall doesn't matter because you're just being who you are. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you're ever going to be perfect. But it means that you're trying your best. I just, in confirmation, talked about Francis Asbury. Um, I'm not going to go into who he was, but he was an important figure in Methodist history and Christian history. Uh, tied to John Wesley, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the point is, the point is, what he said was, and I'm going to translate it a little, paraphrase it. He said, I just want to be better today than I was yesterday. That's what we do. Um, you're gonna he you hear a lot in churches about holiness, which is good. I believe in that. You hear a lot about sanctification. Again, I believe in that. You hear a lot about a lot of things. But what it comes down to is, are you trying to be better today than you were yesterday? Are you trying to be closer to Jesus today than you were yesterday? That's what we do. That's all you can do. And so that's what Daniel is saying to the king. And for him, it was too late. But for us, the writing on the wall says, hey, there's still time, so do that. Do your best. This series is, yes, about scary things that are fun to talk about. And yes, it's about the haunting and conjuring and all these other things. But it's also about just doing what we can to be better. And a lot of what I say, a lot of what we do in this faith is going down to do today your best to be who you want to be. And do your, uh, try to be a little bit better than you were yesterday. Try to do a little bit better. Try to be better. Try to be more. Try to, to just be better. And there are going to be days where you're not. And so instead of then being like, oh, that resets everything, so now I can just go back and be a little bit better than that, and I'm good. No, no, no. Just learn from that. Be like, okay, I screwed up yesterday, but I can do better than that. And just keep trying. Keep trying. Keep doing your best. Don't jump to the finish line and be like, I need to be perfect. Be like, okay, I need to do better. I need to, to love more. I need to love God more, to love others more. I need to stand up more. I need to be who I am, who I want to be. I want to look back at who I am and be like, I'm not scared of what anybody says or writes about me because I know who I am. And that's really all that you can do is do your best to be better today than you were yesterday and then help others to do the same. That's all I got.